When looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Well, excuse me! Looking for good ideas for life? You're far from good hands. Hey, bud, what's your problem? If you think the listener is always right, you're far from the right place. Out of order! Even in the future, nothing works! Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, but a rebel by choice. Are you threatening me? If you want a host that floats between love and madness, and we know the night is always gonna be here anyway. Thinking of you's working up my appetite, looking forward to a little afternoon delight. Then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. All right, guys, uh, listen to the blues riff and B. Watch me for the changes and try and keep up, okay? Warning, creators of this game do understand the subject matter may be offensive to some, but they do honor the families and people that have been affected by these real-life tragedies that these individuals have caused. Wanna play a game? Oh yeah! Lover of true crime? Yes, yes, yes. Well, we got an interesting game for you to check out. Wow. With the mashup of influences such as horror movies, collecting cards, and RPGs. What? Led to giving birth to an incredible creation of this game. Killers, the card game. You are all my children now. This game is a collectible trading card game featuring some of the most infamous killers with tidbits of trivia on the back of each card to help you learn some insight to each criminal. Who the hell are you? Let's not forget, during the game, cops will be chasing you and these criminals. I'm a cop, you idiot! However, check out their website listed through all social media today, which can be found under Killers, the card game. Am I on the internet? I want to play a game. This is Trevor Murdoch, two-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc, Jonathan Steele. Boy, do we have a good one for you today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, got an interesting email this morning because I had put feelers out and I was pleasantly surprised. So thank you, Mark. For hooking us up with this guest. He's a former WWE tag champ. He also, in more recent times, was an NWA champion. Because, as you know, we are old school here. And the NWA that we are aware of, obviously it's been rebranded by Mr. Billy Corgan and such, means a lot. And... Just a little chatter we had before we started, but this guest is Mr. Trevor Murdoch. Trevor, how are you doing, sir? I'm a big ball of joy, man. Thanks for having me. Awesome. But I do want to get two little plugs out of the way. As of the taping of this, and it'll probably be up right before it happens, they were just talking about a show in Mexico with AAA and the NWA. 
Also, I want to mention there's a tour of Australia coming up in April for about 15 days. I have the link for that as well. And right before that, there's going to be, so stay tuned for the announcement, April 7th, there's going to be another NWA pay-per-view. With all that being said, links for all that will be available on all episodes. But Trevor, thank you. I know you said you're getting ready to pack to go to Mexico City for that show. So with the recent success of the NWA and everything and yours as well, how crazy is it for you currently? Um, I mean, I'm I'm busy. You know what I mean? I'm always working, which is good and traveling a lot. Uh, this year, the NWA is trying to do more shows and we're already, you know, we're into it's February. We're, we're into March. We're already done more shows this time in March. Than we did last time last year. Um, so life's really good for me right now, man. I'm I'm working, uh, working a lot and, and my business at home is doing well. So well, I can't complain. Well, can I ask uh, and you don't have to answer this, obviously. You mentioned about a shoot job. Uh, what are you uh, doing when you're not? I own, I own 27 rental properties and to save, you know, I, I don't, I have one employee um, and that's just because I travel a lot and I need somebody who's able to work when, when I'm gone. Um, but I'm constantly working on something, whether I'm fixing one of my properties, whether I'm trying to improve one of my properties, uh, I was blessed, you know, with my WWE run, I was able to take that money and invest it in properties in my local area here. And that's honestly, that job is what's been able to help me have a more fulfilling wrestling career. Because as a wrestler, you're constantly looking for your next spot, your next, you know, the next elevation. Um, and there can be some time in between that. Uh, I didn't have to worry about money because I was smart enough to, to invest it properly when, when a fat redneck had some change. Well, and I'll let Dr. Mike jump in here in a second, but we all heard the term when it comes to wrestling. It's it's not what you make, it's what you save. And obviously you were smart with investing your money with properties and such, as you just described. But was there a veteran when you were in your WWE run that said, hey kid, look at, you know, what you just described as far as being smart with your money? Um, you, you would hear, you would hear the guys talk. Um, one thing that stands out for me was I was in the locker room. I'd probably been with the company maybe two months. And, um, I walk in and Val Venus and Kane are having this very intellectual conversation about finances, about business. And, um, they kept talking about this next thing that's being going to pop out from Apple. Um, it's going to be like, it's the, it's going to be the biggest thing. You know what I mean? And it's this phone that can do anything on it. And you can text people, email people, you can have live conversations. Ultimately guys, they were talking about the iPhone and they were talking about how they were going to invest in Apple. Um, so when the iPhone actually came out, you know, they could be, you know, make some money. Um, I didn't, pay any attention to that because I didn't really know about it. But of course, six months to a year later, everybody's got an iPhone and I'm sitting here thinking, wow, I, if I would have just, you know, took their advice or maybe at the very least, you know, through a little change at their idea, I'd probably be doing pretty well. And it was right then and there, I realized like, Hey, you know, this money's not going to last forever. And I've got people, I've got a wife and three kids that I got to make sure are, you know, taken care of. Uh, so, you know, we just started making, making positive right decisions with the money, you know what I mean? And, and try to stay and live humble. I've never been a guy that's needed uh, the fancy clothes or spend my money on things to impress other people or to tell other people that I'm doing well. Uh, I always thought it would be better. I use that money for something that actually, did me some good and make sure your mortgage is paid. The kids are fed all that, you know, the everyday stuff that most people uh, worry about. I got a 23 year old daughter who's in college. I got a 17 year old son who's a junior in high school. Um, he's, he's about, you know, he, he's stepping into the recruiting phase of baseball. So that's expensive. Uh, my daughter's college isn't cheap either. 
<laughs> so there's a lot of things that got to be taken care of that I can't solely depend on pro wrestling. Exactly. Dr. Mike, you want to jump in here for a sec? Oh, yeah, I would say I've been a photographer, magazine writer for decades and decades and co-ran Blassie's fan club and ran the Tolis Brothers fan club. But I was going to say guys who retain their money like John Tolis, uh, Angela Poffo and Luthes would be very proud of you, Trevor, because yeah. I mean, that's as smart as it gets, because I, I can tell you, I'm, Pepper Gomez is total legend from the 60s and 70s who the bond, the NWA bond was going to be put on him by Morris Siegel prior to Paul Bosch in Houston and all that stuff. He lived about two blocks from me and passed away like in poverty. A guy who main evented all over the world. Japan had the multiple Japan tours. So you're doing it right. I was listening to Billy Corgan talking this morning about all of this. And it's the uh, world is a vampire. It's a festival. And Billy is wisely because, you know, everybody knows him from the Smashing Pumpkins, lead founder and all of that. Loved wrestling all his life in the uh, Chicago area. I think he even said he went to some of the Chicago Amphitheater classic shows before that venue was torn down. But Billy is having wrestling, you know, because often at these kind of festivals, wrestling takes a back seat when it's involved in pro wrestling. And Billy is making sure it's on equal footing both both in the Mexico one, and there's also going to be one in Australia. So this is being taped initially for use by AAA, and they're sending all their top, top tier talent. And I think Billy did a huge, massive press conference this morning with Vampiro there, you know, known in both promotions, primarily CMLL, EMLL. So this is a mega event. All of their top stars, Conan, I think, booked it, Blue Demon Jr., Daga against the current NWA champion, Tyrus, until you get your hands on Tyrus and take back the strap, which we hope to see, because we are proud yes, of Harley Race old school. Um, can you t tell us about, I don't know your backstory. I mean, obviously we saw you in uh, WWE and all of that primarily as a tag team wrestler, and you were, really reminded me of the guys I loved in the 60s and 70s wrestling. But tell us your backstory. Like, where'd you grow up? What wrestling did you perhaps watch as a child? Hopefully you began watching it as a kid. How did and then your road to being trained by Harley of all people? Um, when I'm when I was younger, I grew up in St. Louis, and uh, my brother would wake me up on Sunday mornings. My, his my older brother, and uh, wrestling was on world championship, uh, world class WCCW. Uh, the Von Erich, it's Von Erich, yeah, it's Von Erich, yeah. And so I grew up on Iceman King Parsons, gentleman Chris Adams, the Von Erichs. The Freebirds, uh, those were the guys. That wrestling is what got me excited. It's in Texas and didn't know it, but it was that Texas style wrestling that real late, you know, lay the wood to your really aggressive style pro wrestling. Um, so as I got older, I always always loved it, but there wasn't a lot of schools out like it was now. It was still really, you know, semi kayfabe. There was the power plant, but you know, and there was other. There were some schools, but the guys didn't. They, they hadn't been anywhere. They hadn't done, they hadn't gone as far as I wanted to go. Um, so I, I went to, I went to Job Corps, became a certified welder, started building railroad cars, ended up coming back home to St. Louis. And my brother was wrestling for a, a small independent company. He had met uh, an, ind in, an independent guy at his, at his shoot job and he started training him. And so when I moved back, moved back to St. Louis, uh, I was bigger than most of the wrestlers. Uh, so I would come in and they'd have me do security. And before the shows and after the shows, I would take all the bumps. I was their tackling dummy. Uh, so after a while, I went to, I went to a show in Arnold, Missouri, and the uh, wrestler didn't show up. And the promoter's freaking out. He is looking, you know, he's like, I got to get somebody in here. No one shows up. And he looks at me and he goes, you've been training. you got a match tonight. And I actually ended up wrestling my own, my real life shoot brother under a hood. And from there on, I was never security. I wrestled, I wrestled every show they had for about two years. Um, and I was doing a couple other shots and I ended up doing a, a show for Bill Ash in Arkansas. Rebel Bill and, Ash in the boots. Yes, sir. And financially it was a really bad show like i did three tv tapings and he ended up paying me our percentage our cut was like six dollars and 33 cents 
and I had to drive home eight hours and I spent all my gas money, all my money on gas to get there. And uh, I almost quit the business that night because I had to use the pennies that were in my truck to fill up my tank to get me home. And if you've ever had to count out 10,000 pennies uh, to a cashier so you can get $10 in fuel, you know what I mean? Or, you know what I mean? Yeah, that sucks. It, it, it sucks, man. Uh, so I went back and, and started rethinking whether or not I was going to be a professional wrestler. And I got a call a couple of weeks later from Bill Ash saying that there's uh, Harley Race is starting up this promotion called World Legion Wrestling. And he goes, he can't guarantee me anything, but he can get me in the door and maybe, maybe I'll get an opportunity. So we go to the show in Springfield, Missouri, and we're all staying at the Motel 6. Harley's at the Motel 6. Gordon Soley's at the Motel 6. And I am just green as grass. I mean, I've been wrestling two years, but that was like once every other month. I was really the shit. Um so we all got called to come downstairs because Harley had his his top guys already in the show, but he hadn't had he needed to fill in some spots, do some squash matches. So we're all standing up along inside this little kitchenette area at the Motel Six, and you've got Harley Race, a fifth of vodka, and Gordon Soley, and they've got this big yellow pad, and they're putting the card together for the next day, and. It comes up yeah. to a match with uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine, and Harley looks up, and he just looks up down the row, and he looks at me, and he goes, you got a license? And I said, <laughs> yes, sir. And uh, he goes, tomorrow night, you're wrestling Greg the Hammer Valentine. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, oh my God. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what's funny about that story is it came to be the next night, and Greg, we, Greg I was talking to the match with Greg, and he was going to, he was going to give me some things in the match and make me look really good. You know what I mean? Before he beats the hell out of me. And we get up to the gorilla position about to go out and Harley's there at the gorilla and, and Greg's making me go over what I'm about to do in the ring. And, and Harley pulls off his headphones and he's listening to the whole thing. And I get done and he looks at Greg and he goes, the kid doesn't get shit. <laughs> and Greg goes, all right. You heard what Harley said, right? I said, yep, 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 yep. And I went out there, and for the next five minutes, Greg the Hammer Valentine proceeded to beat the hell out of me, put me on my knees, lay me back, drive forearms, just really laid the wood to me. Um, had a good match. I come in the back, and uh, at the end of the night, I was went up talk talked to Harley and asked him, how did I do in that five-minute ass-kicking? Is there anything you can tell me to you know get better? He talked to me for about 10 minutes and told me that he was opening up a school. and um, I'll, you know, ask me if I was interested in coming to the school. And I was like, yeah, he goes, well, I get things going, you know, we'll get you the information. And, uh, six weeks later, I, um, I, I moved from living with my mother in a three-story house on the very top level, having the whole level to myself, uh, to move to Springfield, Missouri and share a two bedroom house with six people and sleep on the living room floor and make 475 landscaping so I can puke every single day and sweat my ass off and get beat up so I can learn how to be a pro wrestler. Thousand Hindu squats? 500. 500. 500. Which yeah, is still, still, still insane. A couple of quick things uh, about Harley. I'll try to be brief. Uh, wasn't uh, the Japanese, there was the guy's name Morishima. Who was it yeah. that Harley was? Yeah. Big, huge deal. Sadly, he stopped wrestling, but for a while there, you know, amazing, amazing. I don't know if you got to work with him or I if he was ahead of you. I was, I, when I was in the dojo, he was there wrestling. He actually got brought over. You know, they, they brought him over. They, they, Noah was using Harley and WLW as kind of like the base to bring their Japanese wrestlers over, and then they would go wrestle at ROH, wrestle for WLW wrestled other companies in California and stuff. And um, we had two wrestlers. There was, um, we had Amori and we had Morishima. Um, then we had Go Shiozaki was here for about yeah. three months. Uh, so we've, we've had a lot of high profile Japanese wrestlers come through his camp. And then remember, I don't know if you were there when Harley would sort of do a trio's team of training with the uh, Ricky Steamboat and uh, Les Thatcher. Les Thatcher. Yes, well, sir. I was there like for all. Genius. He he is there for all. from the territories that's still the sharpest guy because he goes back, back to the fifties. 
he announced, he did the programs for Atlanta, Paul Jones promotion, the early to mid seventies. He used to contribute to my newsletter from like 73 on the Les Thatcher's aces. So what, you couldn't have three better guys than those. I mean, obviously capped by Harley. Um, actually that relationship with Harley bringing Ricky down, um, Ricky had been not only come down that one time, he'd come down three or four times. Um, actually, me building a relationship with Steamboat because of Harley helped me with my job with WWE. When I got to WWE for my tryout um, and got my match, I was Trevor Rhodes. That's what I was going by, blonde hair. I looked like Dustin. Um, at the time, Ricky Steamboat was an agent up there, and Dusty had some heat with Vince. So Ricky comes up to me, hey, Trevor, hey, how's it going? You know, good to see you again. He goes, I heard you got a dark tonight. Yes, sir. He goes, I think we ought to change your last name. And I was like, do you, I mean, I will. I mean, I'll do whatever you want. Just can, can I ask why? And he goes, well, Dusty's got a little bit of heat with Vince right now, and you just don't need any added bullshit. You know what I mean? You're trying to, you're trying to make an impression. I said, that's fine. That's fine. I go, I don't care what you call me. He goes, I'll be honest with you. I think you look, look more like Dickie Murdoch anyway. And I said, I've been told that a hundred times by, I can't countless guys. He goes, why don't you go by Trevor Murdoch? I go, that's fine with me. I was like, you know, it, it, I'm just a bigger fan of Dickie as I was Dusty. So um, sure enough, you know, I got out there and, you know, I'm the only Trevor Murdoch in how many, you know, how many, you know, how many years since Dickie, the only Murdoch since Dickie. Uh, so it turned out that relationship and what Harley introducing me to Ricky helped me later on in my career more than he really knew. Last thing before I pitch back to Jonathan is you were rocking the Don Leo Jonathan sideburns then. And I have some photos I did not take, but when Dick Murdoch was first teaming with Dusty and uh, first in like Toronto, and then they worked for the Sheik in Detroit, we're talking like 1969. And both of them had big mammoth sideburns and it's really classic. So yeah, now that's a funny story because you carry on, you know, okay, just bop from one tag team partner, Dusty to to Dickie Murphy. <laughs> yeah, I could I could feel both. Only only in wrestling can you have all that you carry that history with you, Jonathan. Well, you know it's funny. I I want to bring this up since we're talking Harley a little bit, and all the stories you hear about him have to be true. But I do know Harley was a soft spoken man. However, the real deal. And if Harley looked at you and gave you that. You knew he meant business. And I was fortunate enough at least one time in passing for uh, Mania 26 in Phoenix, walking to go get lunch and ran across Harley. And he reminded me of my great-grandfather. And the reason I say this is it was like, holy shit, that's Harley Race. You know, me being a historian of the business and everything else and longtime fan. Harley, how you doing? reached my hand out, shook his hand, and he had that old-school grip to him. Thank you, son. You know, nice to meet you. And I'm saying that in a good way, why he reminded me of my great-grandfather was because my grandfather was a old-school butcher and had just that, you know, strong forearm and everything else and grip and all that fun stuff. Harley reminded me of that. But I want to know, before we get into the NWA stuff and all, how in the hell did BJ talk you into getting a bar? <laughs> um, I had just, I'd been released from WWE about a year before that. And I just, when I got done with WWE, I just took a year off. I, I did, you know, I did independence and wrestling for Harley, but I just, I didn't think about money. I didn't think about anything. I just needed to take a big, deep breath. Um, about a year in my wife, God love her is looking at our finances going, Hey, you know, that, that huge chunk of money we had starting to starting to go down a little bit. And she was concerned, you know, which I, you know, I was too, and I needed to do something, but I certainly didn't want to go work for anybody else. I couldn't, I just, in my head, I'm like, I just got done working for quote unquote, I mean, a billionaire. And now I'm going to have to go get a regular job and listen to some, you know, I was just, I was just in a bad spot anyway in life, just mentally. Um, so I, I'm not a big drinker. And I thought, man, 
Like, it would be cool if I had my own little bar and grill here in my town where I live at. You know, everybody knows who I am. Everybody knows who my kids are. And um, so I went in and I talked to BJ and Harley one day at the school. And uh, I was like, man, I'm, I'm thinking about buying Buzzer McGee's and, and opening up a bar and grill. I was like, but I don't. It's like, I've been a waiter and I've been a bartender, but that doesn't mean I know how to run a full restaurant and bar business. And BJ chimed right in and she's like, I can help you. I know how to do it. I know everybody in town. She goes, this would be awesome. This would be awesome for you. This would be awesome for us. Um, it'll just be, it'll be, a, it's, a, it's a slam dunk, Trevor. And I'll help you with everything. I should say BJ was Harley's wife and a business. Right. She was smart to business financing and all that. Go ahead. She was a, she she was was a, a sweetheart. Wife. Wait a minute. She was a sweetheart compared to the first wife. She really helped save Harley in a lot of ways. Oh, and that first wife was a boy. She's a vicious one. I won't go into details. Yeah. Like nobody's business. But, but, but no, I BJ, just want to know who. So people know yeah, who BJ we was Harley's about. wife and she was a vice president of a bank. Um, just financially very smart um never met a stranger uh we they were you know eldon in eldon where i live at you know wrestling in the school we were very integrated into the community a lot of the guys had jobs in the communities harley was a mason bj was connected to a lot of the social events here in town so you know sitting down talking to my wife i was like this this just is this a win-win deal this is a win-win opportunity and so, yeah, I took the money and um, I went and bought the building, had all the stuff in it, had, um, but I had, to, I had to take about six weeks to refurbish everything, to kind of just clean everything up, repaint everything, give it a fresh, good look. Um, but <clears throat> while doing that, Harley has his 10-year anniversary show here in Eldon uh, for WLW and has all the greats, had Bret Hart, Terry Funk, a bunch of NWA legends. And um, we did the show, but that night, BJ wasn't feeling very good. She started getting sick. So Harley took her to the hospital and she ended up having pneumonia. Um, while she's in there, and the pneumonia is starting to take over her lungs. They decide they're going to put her in a medically induced coma. Um, so they put a breathing apparatus down her throat, the pipe, you know what I mean? The plastic thing to help her breathe. Well, if you guys have met BJ, she wasn't a very big woman. She's a very tiny woman. Um, what they didn't know was when they put that breathing tube down her throat, they actually went too far and punctured her stomach. Mm. And they didn't know it. So while this her stomach's been punctured, all the vial and all the, you know, all the, the juice, everything's basically making her body toxic. And so the whole time the, the doctors are fighting the, uh, the pneumonia, her temperature spikes and they have to do more tests and they realize what they've done. Well, by the time they, her body, they started fighting the infection from her stomach, her body was so weak that it couldn't fight the pneumonia and she passed away. And now not only have I lost a woman that has been like a mother to me for 10 years and has, um, when I, when my wife lost our first child through miscarriage, she was the one that hugged me while I was crying. She held my son before my parents held my son at the hospital. I loved this woman. Um, I not only had to deal with that huge loss, but also the one person that was going to guide me in this large investment that I just put out and I had no idea how to run. And I was in a situation where, like, the money's there. Like, it's already been spent. We're we're in. We're going forward with this. We're in here. Yeah. 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 And um, so I, I we we buried BJ, and two weeks later, I opened up, you know, T Murdoch's Bar and Grill, and mm. you know, worked my ass off uh, for three and a half years, almost four years, and. Uh, you know, guys, as a wrestler, you don't get your weekends, but as a bar and business owner, you really don't get your weekends. And mm -hmm. so I would be, if I wasn't wrestling, I was at the bar till two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning running my business. And, uh, yeah, it's just a tough life, a tough gig. And eventually, was it I worth would, it overall? 
No. No. Okay. Wait, didn't you get the boys like uh, Rufus Jones and Bob Geigel to come in there and Bob Brown if he was still alive? No, no, I got, we got, you know, we got guys like Roddy Piper come in there and some of the names and stuff that got to come in there while um, Harley was running shows because he tried to run shows after that as well, too. You know, we was running shows after BJ passed away. Um, looking back on it now, you know what I mean? I did that so I didn't have to go work for somebody else. You know, I, I look back on it now. I wish I'd invested that money in rental property. You know what I'm saying? Like it, yeah. uh, I'd have been, I'd have been far, I'd been way more ahead than what I am now. Mm-hmm. Well, the NWA, as we said, there's, you know, the Mexico City show. You got the Australia shows and everything else. And I found it interesting doing some reading and listening today from other shows and everything that you were kind of cool with just fading off and retiring after Harley's death, unfortunately. But they, who was it, Nick Aldis and all, said, hey, and why really, don't you come? And Dave Lagana. They said, yeah. hey, why don't you come check out what we're doing and all that. So could you tell that story? Yeah. Um, we were at Harley's funeral. You know, uh, the last couple of years before Harley passed away, was trying to be there and, and, and do the, just give back what he gave me. Um, and you know, the one thing we all can't fight is time and Harley's no different. Toughest man in the world still couldn't beat time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're at his funeral and I'd already talked to my wife and it, it just felt like it was the right time to just, you know, hang it up. I, I, nobody expected me to make it to WWE. Nobody expected me to become a world tag team champion. Nobody, you know, nobody expected me to travel to India and, and do this for, you know, 15 plus years at the time. And, um, with Harley passing away, I just felt like, you know, ain't no one gonna, ain't no one gonna be pissed off. If Trevor walks away. It's a good reason. Trevor said it's enough's enough. It makes sense. You know what I mean? I felt like I could walk out with my head up. Um, but, uh, Nick Aldis and Dave Logano were at the funeral. NWA, uh, sent two representatives to Harley's funeral to pay their respects. Uh, which I thought was really classy. And um, Nick and Dave started telling me about this new program they're starting with, with Billy Corgan in, uh, called Power in Atlanta. And they were, you know, they were laying on the sauce, man. You know, Billy's <laughs> got a good thing going here. Uh, you know, got, it's going to be the, you know, we're going we're gonna to do you know, some amazing things. And I was like, guys, I just, I don't have it in me. Like it's, you know, I'm not in shape. I, you know what I mean? I really wasn't. I'd spent those last two years really kind of working my ex, working on my exit. And it's like, just come down for one show. We'll have you agent. We really want to use your experience. You know what I mean? And uh, I was like, okay, all right, I can do that. You know what I mean? And um, I'm an old school wrestler. I bring my gear to everywhere. It's just it's what I was taught. It's just how I am. I'm going to a wrestling show, flying me in. I brought my gear just in case. Ooh. I get to GPB Studios and I'm walking down the stairs and I get to the hallway and I run right into Dave Lagana and we have about 60 seconds of pleasantries and his first question to me was, did you bring your gear? <laughs> I, go, I go, yeah, I brought my gear. He goes, all right, you're wrestling Ricky Starks tonight. And uh, I went out there and planning on only having one match, um, went out, had a really good match with Ricky Starks. The people were really into it. And um, I didn't win, but I walked into the back and I ran right into Billy and Nick. And uh, they were like, bro, you got a whole lot more, you know, gas left in the tank. You know, we've already got you booked in a match tomorrow. Um, And, and, you know, one match led to the next one. Before you know it, I'm about, I'm two seasons in and I get cornered by, you know, by Billy going, hey, sign this piece of paper. What's that? It's your contract. We're in WA. Okay. What are you giving me? All right. All right. Yeah, I'll put my name there. Well, when did it click for you in terms of, like you said, you were like, all right, I'll do the match and and I'll do the next. When did you say, (laughs) okay, I'm fully into it? Um, My run with uh, with Aaron Stevens going after the national championship. Um, I was, you know, I figured I'll do this for about a year. You know what I mean? I was putting everybody over. Um, I was, you know, I was still having some good matches, but I knew my, you know, I thought, I thought my job was to, you know, make everybody else look good. Uh, 
but when I started with my angle with Aaron and, and uh, the question mark, I really like, I don't know. I slid into a groove there and the promos were, 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 were feeling right. Um, Aaron Stevens is a, a phenomenal wrestler, phenomenal manager, phenomenal guy on the, on the stick. And, um, him and I would just be able, were able to create magic. You know what I mean? I could say something and I didn't have to, he, he was thinking something already to, to come back with it. And it, there, it wasn't hard, you know, work wrestling with Aaron and working with Aaron wasn't hard. I was having fun. I was having fun again. That's when, I think that's when it fucking clicked for me. If you, I mean, honestly, I started having a good time. Like I got out of the ring and I was like, holy shit. Like that was, that was fun. Like we had him going. Like that was, and I was like, okay, like I can, I can still do this. It wasn't about proving it to anybody else. It was all about proving it to myself because I was that young guy in the locker room that seen some names come through the locker room and they were there for the payday. Um, I wrestled one and, and it was just, he was having, it was a bad time in his life. And, you know, I had, you know, when you have fans say, pin me, pay me, you know, to the wrestler I'm <laughs> wrestling you know what I mean? Um, and they all, I just didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to be the old guy. And, I, and maybe I st- still, maybe still am. I don't know. But like, I didn't want to be that old guy that people were watching going, God, he, does he not know? Like he's past his, like, he's not contributing anything to this. You know what I mean? I, I didn't want to be that guy. Um, but the fans there at NWA told me different. The fans at the chase, when I, when I won, the NWA World Heavyweight title told me different. Well, and that's kind of what you, I heard you say in a different conversation, et cetera, or in terms of being happy. Could you go back to a WWE or go to an AEW or some no. other places no. and be you know, and make money? Yes, but you wouldn't be happy. Not even close. You, my, you, um, I'm in control of my schedule. Yeah. I'm in control of my life and... I can say no to things. Also, too, um, I work for a boss that values my opinion that when I call, will pick up and listen to me. I have a boss that's not scared to tell me what he thinks, whether I like it or not. Um, I have a boss that respects me and makes me feel like I am a part of this group. And to me, I'm still making good money from him. How much money do I got to be, got to have? You know what I mean? Yeah. The happiness far out, outweighs the money. And it took me, you know, as a young man, trying to figure, having to figure that out. And I heard, and I know Mike has dealt with Billy before. However, I've only heard stuff from, you know, dirt sheets and different things. But talking to Billy, and obviously you've gotten to work for him for a bit here. How is his wrestling knowledge, would you say? Because obviously McMahon grew up in his whole life and other people have been around the business. But how is Billy's knowledge to the business? You would think, okay, it's it's very easy to assume that he's a multi-platinum recording artist, smashing pumpkins, old guy, grunge, whatever. Like, what's his place in the pro wrestling business? What does he have to do there? He's a fan. He truly loves pro wrestling from and and he has no problem sitting down and talking to you about Georgia championship wrestling back in the day. What it was, what he loved as a kid growing up, but music is what something he loved as well too. And obviously music is what, you know, he felt comfortable. He could do better in music, obviously than wrestling. And, you know, you look at the man and you understand why, um, and nothing against them, just size and statue. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but like he truly loves the the wrestling business and and is not afraid to trust guys that have been there. He's not afraid. He he's a very um what uh, here's the best way I can put it. All right, Trevor, um, I'm gonna have you wrestle uh, AJ Kazana tonight. I want him I want him to look like this at the end of it. Go figure it out. You're the wrestler. Yes, sir. You know, um, to me. That that shows a lot of respect and trust to me. Hey, Trevor, go paint my story for me. Not this is how I want you to do it. This is not how I think you should do it. Trevor, I paid you money to be a wrestler. Go fucking wrestle. 
it's a, I apologize. I watch my language. No, no, you're fine. You're um, fine. But that's my job. And then he he is smart enough to watch us. He pays attention to everything. And when he sees something working, he just because it wasn't his idea or it wasn't planned, he doesn't deny it. He doesn't shut it down. He doesn't try to block it off. He runs with it. Um, I don't know if you've seen a young man named Rolando. Yeah. And let me give you a classic story here. Go for it. Um, Rolando is not even on NWA. He's um, just a local coming in in the back, just trying to get an opportunity, just wants a match. And we have a wrestler on our on our on our roster named uh, Freeman, Rush Freeman. And if you've ever seen Rush, he's got a big black mullet, and he's a young guy, but it's a real 1980s black <laughs> mullet, and you know, great guy and everything. Um, but we have Rush, and Billy knows who who Rush Freeman is. Well, Rolando, at the right time, right place, not even know it, walks by the door when Russ Freeman's standing at the door. And Billy is looking at the door when this happens. And he sees this little guy that looks exactly like this big guy. And Billy goes, oh, my God, Russ, stop, stop, right there, stop. Hey, hey, you, are you a wrestler? Yeah. Huh. You look just like Russ Freeman. You know how funny it would be? If you were Russ Freeman's big brother mm-hmm. <laughs> and everybody around who's sitting, we're all sitting there and we all pop and laugh for it. Like, Oh shit, that would be entertaining as hell. That would be great. Next TV, Rush Freeman's big little brother comes out to defend him. <laughs> and now we're, you know what I mean? And there's how magic got, it wasn't, it wasn't off the fact the that it wasn't playing. Yeah. It was off to the races. It wasn't planned. It wasn't. It wasn't somebody else's idea. So I can't do that idea. It was. Oh man, look at that. There's something there. Let's blow that up. That's what wrestling's about. Right time, right place. Let's give it a shot. Doctor, you remember? Wait, let me just say something about Billy too. You remember before the whole NWA thing, and he saved it from the Bruce Tharp attorney guy. <laughs> yeah, Carluzzo. yeah, Coraluzo before him. But Billy was fronting and helping monetarily that Chicago indie for a number of years. And he would come and try promoting it at Cauliflower Alley. But anytime he gets on the radio, he always puts you over, puts, you know, all the talent over. So you can see, like, with Tony Khan, Billy really loves the business. And you can't ask more from a promoter than that. You want to see his heart for the business in his eyes instead of dollar signs like other promoters. Well, yeah, because if he was doing this for money... He'd have done closed up shop, guys. Like, you know what I mean? He's he's got enough wherewithal in a, in a, as a businessman to know that if you're going to start something big and great, you're going to end up losing money. Not everybody has TK money. You know what I mean? Like, it does. He's got unrealistic money, so AEW is able to start off with a bang, um, and they can carry big losses for a while. Whereas, you know, NWA can't. Um, Everything is, we, we try to um, make the best of, of everything. Every little opportunity we try to make the best of. And Billy lets us be creative in that aspect. Right on. The shows have been terrific. He's creating buzz everywhere. Jonathan, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, go ahead. Run with it. No, uh, just, that's, yeah, that's just, what we want. You yeah. know what I mean? We want to be different. We're um, the, the best way I can explain where NWA's lane is, is we want to be a smash mouth pro wrestling company. We want to be um, a company that when you turn it on, uh, you may not be exactly familiar with everybody that's on that program. But when you watch them wrestle, you're watching people knock the piss out of each other. You're watching grown ass men and women go at it. Um, and we feel very confidently like that's our lane, that's our spot. Isn't Camille? I just want to talk about uh, the the show in, in Mexico. Kylan King and Camille, and uh, hopefully Taya, who's got all that history in Mexico already with AAA. Do you know if they're booked on the show? I was trying to get this from uh, Billy talking this morning. I don't think Kylan King and 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 um, uh, oh, her name's on the tip of my tongue. I feel Camille. Like uh, no, no, the other girl. Or Taya. 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 Yeah, Taya is not on the card. Camille is actually wrestling 
one of Triple A's uh, ladies, uh, Lady uh, Flame, something. I'm not yeah, it sure. Could be, it could be that. Aaron Stevens is there. Kratos, who I saw broke in at APW in Northern California. JR Kratos, Vampiro's on the card with Blue Demon Jr., you know, tons of stars. Daga against Tyrus. So if Daga's there, does that mean nobody knows what's going on with his wife? And hopefully, maybe he'll drag her to the show and, and hopefully she'll get back into the biz because uh, Tully's daughter, still, what a talent she is for the women. I, I'd love to see maybe Billy resurrect her career and if anybody could do it it'd be billy i i totally agree man that'd be all on him though well huge and he said like there was 46 members of the press this morning with him there in vampiro yeah it's gonna be all right let me here i'll paint the picture for you from what i was told um you guys this is gonna be a full concert arena like like as if it was a full-blown concert but in the middle of where all the fans are, there's going to be the ring. And what's going to happen is there's going to be about an hour and a half of music, and then it's going to stop. And all the fans are going to be standing watching the concert stage. And then they're going to stop. Then all the fans will turn around and watch the ring, and there'll be three or four matches. Then those three or four matches will stop. All the fans will turn back around. And then there'll be another, there'll be more concert time for an hour, hour and a half. That gets done. Then they'll turn back around and they'll see the second half of the wrestling show, three or four matches. We'll get done. Then they'll turn back around yeah. and finish out the concert, the concert. And I think this is like a 30,000 seat venue. And I'm pretty sure, like I, I read somewhere, like tickets are damn near sold out. Yeah, and, and wrestling, of course, lucha is culturally the biggest thing in Mexico. It's everywhere you go, from Tijuana all the way down to South into South America. Yes, it is. And then you know, you add a music festival to it. Uh, should be a should be huge, man. It should be huge. Oh yeah, I can't wait to hear the stories when you get back. That should be amazing. And then there's uh, Australia too. Did you ever work? Did WWE go into Australia when you were there? Yeah, several times. Uh, I got to go there. I've been there three times, two times. I only, I seen it basically fly in, wrestle, hop back on a plane, fly back out. Uh, but the, the last time I actually got to spend a day there walking around and, and enjoy Australia a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure if I'll be on that card. That That's going to be a, I think it's a two week wrestling or two week card. And I just, right now, I'm not able to be gone for two weeks and just to wrestle. Yeah, those shows I'll are going to be the territory. I'll, I'll shut up. But look at his match. I think his first match ever with Abby Abdul the Butcher was in Australia, and the first singles match Harley ever had with Killer Carl Cox also in Australia, like 1971. Would that be for my boy? I'm sorry. Would that be for my boy? <laughs> Carl Cox or oh, Abby? Uh, I'm thinking of uh, what's his name, the old promoter. Jim Barnett was yes. the promoter then with Mark Lewin, Spirits area. And it was a it was a hardcore blood promotion. Mark Lewin bleeding every time he'd face King Curtis, Abby, Sheik, Killer Kowalski, Ray Stevens. Australia was rocking until it wasn't in like about 73. It was amazing territory. Well, obviously you've worked with guys like Tyrus and all this, and you've had some good programs, Aaron Stevens. Is there somebody that you were looking forward to doing something with in the NWA before all said and done for you? Um, I don't have any like like one like set gold individual. There's a lot of talent in NWA. Um, one of them is a guy named Thrill Billy Silas, a uh, big guy, um, big country, uh, but he's he's really talented. And I think he's the next. I think he's going to be something very big, uh, especially if he gets to work with the right people. So I would like to do something with him, whether I'm against him or with him. Um, NWA is very good about finding diamonds in the rough and finding guys with chips on their shoulders. If you look at the main, the main group, the main horde of NWA, it's a bunch of men and women that have been, quote unquote, you know, maybe passed up at one time or another in their career 
or not given the proper spotlight that they could flourish in. Uh, I'm a prime example. Uh, if you would have talked about me five years ago and said, Trevor, you're going to be, Trevor's going to be NWA world heavyweight champion. People would have laughed at me. Like there ain't no way. There's, there's, there's just no way. But because I was able to come to NWA and just given an opportunity to be me, that was the thing. Like when, when I got, when I got there, it's one thing I forgot I left out the day, my first day there for NWA, I went and talked to Billy and I just wanted, I wanted to feel, I wanted to feel him out. I wanted to see what, who, what, what, what he, what he was looking for. You know what I mean? What, where, where's my lane? What's the slot? What, what do you need from me? And so I sit him down and I go, okay, so what are you looking out of me? Like, what are you, what are you looking when you see me? What do you want out of me? Because I just, what do you mean? I go, well, usually the promoters, you know, you know, they, they've got an idea in their head and they want me to do this and they want me, you know, don't do that. And he goes, Trevor, I just want you to be you. I go, yeah, but like, how do you want me? He goes, you're asking these questions going. <laughs> yeah. Just, he can't believe it. He can't believe just, it. Yeah. Just go fucking do you just go be Trevor Murdoch. And it's the first promoter that I've had that say, just go do what you are good at. What I hired you for, go be you go get over. And at first it was a little unsettling until I grabbed that mic and I had nobody hand me a piece of paper before I got on that mic. They said, go talk. And everything that came out of me was off the top of my head. That was in the moment. That was I was what I was thinking and what I was feeling. And the people were reacting to it. And I was like, shit, that's that's the magic. That's the magic of pro wrestling. Just let just let me go do me. I'm I just wanted a chance to fall on my face. And that's all I ever asked out of WWE. Give me the opportunity. Yes, thank you. I appreciate you guys. Like, yes, we're tag team champions three times, you know, nonetheless. But I wanted a run on my own. I wanted to, I wanted an opportunity to prove myself. And I'd always get to one point, even when I was in TNA, I'd start getting to a point, and then they just discard me. I never was able to quite get over that hump. Well, Billy's like, okay, come here, and I will give you your shot. This is a sink or swim situation. You want to you want to get over? You want to stay here? You want to be here? Go do it. And I did. And now we're talking what four years later. And we were talking old school NWA with guys like Harley and such. And tr Trevor, I we appreciate the time, but I'm curious to know because obviously Harley wasn't there. But when you win the world title and say what you want, yeah, we know what the business is, all that fun stuff. But when you have you win the title and you have a guy like Ric Flair, who was Harley's, you know, protege as well, and that whole story, Starcade, it's out there. What was that like for Rick when Rick goes, Here you go, here's the belt? If I couldn't have had Harley there, Rick was the very next guy. You know what I mean? Um, Rick was a big advocate for me while I was in WWE. Um, he's always been kind to me and always knew that um, he, he liked the way I wrestle. Just, you know, I'm a Smash Mouth style wrestling and he knew I was a Harley guy. So to be able to stand at the chase that hadn't had a wrestling match there in 37 years, 37 years. I'm the first main event in 37 years for the NWA World Heavyweight title and I win it. And I mean, it's, you can't ask for a more picture-perfect moment. You can't ask for, um, if, if, if I would have ended my career right then after that night, I wouldn't have been upset because I did it. Like, I, I did what no one else thought I would do in a building that no one thought could, could come back in, in a time and moment and made people get emotionally connected to pro wrestling again. Um, I was able, and with Nick's help too, I didn't do it by myself. I was able to get the fans behind me to the point, like they were just begging, please, Trevor, win, please win. You, you know, this is your time, you know, this is your moment. 
Um, I had my wife and kids were there with me. And um, my my oldest boy, who uh, I get a little choked up talking about it now. My oldest boy, my son, Trevor Paul, um, he has been on the road with me when I've been at the shitty house shows or indie shows. But he's also been at the shows where they were big houses and good shows. Um, He has seen the ups and downs of me and my career. Um, And if you watch, like if you watch back, as soon as I win, oh man, I'm getting choked up thinking about it. My kid's fighting the rail just to try to get in so he could get in the ring and give me a hug. And he rushes in and bums rushed me with this big old hug while I'm holding the NWA title. And I couldn't have been more proud. I couldn't have been more happy to share that with, with them, especially my wife as well, too, because they had to endure the bad times with me, you know, and, and they had to, they had, they were on the roller coaster of my career and me doubting myself at times, but also them lifting me up. Um, so for all of that to come together and them to be there and, and them to be a part of that, I couldn't have asked for a better moment not in time. You know what I mean? And uh, especially doing it as a Harley race guy, like, holy shit. Like that's, that, that's something to be said. So many things hit me there. And Dr. Mike, for me, that's, a good way to go out here. Do you have anything you'd like to, you know, just because of the story for the family element and the professional and yeah. everything. Yeah. Dr. Mike, do you have anything else for Trevor? No, I'm just proud that he carries on that lineage. Everybody on the yes. planet who, you know, is a wrestling purist knows he's a Harley guy and we appreciate that. We respect that. We respect the hell out of him and love that he brings a lot of those elements of all of our prior favorites but in a modern day 2023 and he's with a great company and doing you know just surpassing the expectations the hopes we had for him when he was in wwe now he's totally eclipsed all that stuff on an amazing global level two-time world heavyweight (laughs) champion Absolutely, working on three, boys. Working on three, and we're going to do that against Tyrus, that's for sure. But make sure you check out the dates and nationalwrestlingalliance.com social media. The real Trevor Murdoch, and we'll have a link for that as well. We know he's got to get packing for Mexico City. Anything else coming up that we should mention for you personally? Or uh, we've got Chicago coming up in April the seventh. Yes. April. Yeah, it's uh, like two nights, nights, isn't it? It's a two night thing. Three one two, right? Yeah, I think so. I think we're gonna try to knock out some TV tapings on the second night. Out of Those that. will be so, announced soon. Mark was telling me so. Yes. Um. So we're in Billy's hometown of Chicago. Chicago fans are crazy. They're energetic. <laughs> they love pro wrestling. Uh. So I'm excited about that. Um. I've got return dates for the chase, but I'm not able to. Uh, to to tell them yet but we are we are headed back to the chase so i'm excited about that and there's going to be quite a few pay-per-views between now and then but the chase is kind of our wrestlemania you know for us so and especially personally for you as you were telling that story when you won and flair gave you the belt all that stuff and you're well you know what let me ask this before i let you go and the excitement from your son and the family in general can you see any of your kids getting involved in the business Oh shit! The reason why I I chuckle when you when you mention that is my my oldest boy Trevor Paul loves pro wrestling but has never shown any desire to be a wrestler, and which I was completely okay with that. Like there's he loves baseball. I he goes to all the camps. I got hitting coaches, baseball agility coaches, all that shit. You know you can make a lot of money and save your body by hitting a little ball. You know what I mean? Uh, but about five months ago, he uh, mentioned to me, we were at, we were on our way home from a show. He did a loop with me and uh, he goes, dad, I could, I could see myself being a wrestler. And I was like, really? And he goes, yeah. I was like, man, I'm like son, you don't understand how, how difficult it is not only to be a wrestler, but now you, you're going to be a second generation wrestler. So the expectations of you are going to be just, twice as high as they were for me not to mention my expectations of you are going to be high and he goes yeah but i i think i could 
I, I think I could carry it, Dad. And and my son doesn't bullshit me. He's a very honest individual about reality. He's very honest with himself. He's very down to earth and real. So for him to say that means he's he spent some time thinking about it. Um, but I am going to do my best to steer him towards an MLB an MLB career. Is you know he wants to play college ball. He knows college ball's the next step to play for the MLB, and I'm. I'm doing everything I can to point him in that direction, which isn't hard. Your kid loves the sport. And he wants to go play. Uh, but he is starting to bring up and make comments here and there that oh, I could see me getting into the ring, dad. So, How old is Trevor Paul? 17. Oh, wow. All right. Well, well he can follow. You remember Randy Poffo was uh, in the spring system for the, the cards, the St. Louis cards. And that's, that's what I'm hoping. But it doesn't help that my son, I've introduced my son to guys like Tyrus and Tom Latimer, Chris Adonis, uh, Aaron Stevens, Billy Corgan, and they all like him. And Billy's just looking over there going, huh, one more year, Trevor, and he's he's 18. <laughs> we, could, we could get him in the ring, Trevor. <laughs> and I'm going, Billy, no, no, no. Oh, Trevor, you know, we can do with this. And I'm going, no, we're going to we're gonna hit a baseball for a long time. And thankfully, Billy's a huge baseball fan as well, too. So as soon as I bring up baseball, he's like, yeah, that, that'd be better. Okay, I'm okay with that. Yeah, but wrestling is there after baseball. The guys, yes, the guys take a lot of interest in my son and in his future. And that's I've got a great support system of guys. Um, also, now we're talking about it. Uh, I want to mention on on Thursdays, uh, I am on a podcast with Tyrus Aaron Stevens, Luke Hawks, uh, EC3, and Kevin Kiley Jr. We are the wise, Tyrus and the wise men, and we're on Fox News, on Fox Business, Fox, yeah, Fox News Radio every Thursday. Is there a particular, since you brought that up and plugged it, uh, what do you guys talk about? Is there a specific area, or are you all over the place? Um, the, we're, we talk about wrestling. But we also talk about how wrestling has affected our personal lives. Um, and then we that generally always leads us into some other random comp, you know, topic about our lives or something that's going on in our lives. We um, excuse me, we really try to sit down with the fans and let them hear it and see it from our you know different uh, different aspects of life and situations in life from not only a wrestler's standpoint, but from a parent's standpoint, from a brother's standpoint, from, uh, you know, just the things that we, we go through in a daily life, especially as men, when it comes time to communicating with each other and, and how important communication between us men is important. You know, we, we hold a lot of shit in as men because we have a lot on our shoulders and there's a lot of expectations of us. And sometimes we don't get stuff out that we need to, and it makes us an evil individual. We're very, uh, we're, we're big proponents on, you know, sit down, let's have a talk, let's have a 10 minute discussion, or at the very least, take the time and just send a text and go, Hey, you doing okay? On guys you haven't talked to in a long time, because that one little text of, of, a, of a guy that you haven't maybe, maybe not seen or talked to in three or four years, but that one text, Hey man, are you okay? might be able to save a guy's life because he knows somebody's thinking about it. Were you part of uh, Adam Shear and EC3's Change Your Narrative? Uh, they were, I, I don't know if you were allowed to work non-NWA. No. They were doing no. stuff all over the place. And it sounded kind of like that format of working on improving mental health of the boys because you guys have put up with a lot of shit. That, and, you know, like... um one of the things like fans don't realize is, is, you know, the internet has given everybody a platform to speak their minds. I.e., we're we're on this podcast right here, but it's given a lot of people who don't need a platform, don't deserve a platform, shouldn't shouldn't be making comments about certain things. Um, it's given those people an opportunity to 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 talk down to us, to treat us badly in our personal lives. Um, what we bring up, we bring up the whole versus wrestler versus social media thing on our podcast. 
because 99% of the comments fans make to us on social media negatively, they'd never say that shit to our face. Exactly. They have no, there's no accountability in the world. Right. There's no accountability in the world, in this world for that kind of shit. So we, we talk about a wide variety of topics, uh, but ones that we think that are on the minds of the people today. Right on. Good for you. Well, check out nationalwrestlingalliance.com for dates, the pay-per-views coming up, the Australia tour, and everything going on. Trevor, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, guys. It was a great time. Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any of the films. All orders are made specifically your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. Les Thatcher, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio.